Last week, I spoke to physiologist Evan Pycon. We discussed the physiology of hybrid athletes, how we can identify our physiological limiters so we can improve our hybrid training, and all his work on physiological testing with his new company, Knox. This is essential listening for any hybrid athlete, so make sure you check it out. Hello and welcome to The Progress Theory, where we discuss scientific principles for optimizing human performance. I'm Dr. Phil Price, and on today's episode, we're joined by Keltman and Norseman champion, Ailey Price. Now, extreme triathlons like the Keltman and the Norseman are getting more and more popular, so it's a real privilege to have on The Progress Theory someone that has won both. On this episode, Ailey discusses how she's incorporated her training into a lifestyle that she absolutely loves, and also discusses how she deals with that cold. As always, follow The Progress Theory on Instagram, YouTube, and check out all of our other episodes. Here is Ailey Price. Before we get started, I wanted to mention The Progress Theory newsletter. Do you want the latest information on how to optimize human physical and mental performance sent straight to your email? Subscribe to the free Progress Theory newsletter on Substack where you will receive the latest research and recommendations on how to optimize your performance each week. Head to the show notes and click the link where you can sign up today. Don't miss out. Now, let's get into the show. Welcome, Ailey. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's so great to have you on. I know a few friends that have done certain races that you've done very well in, and I wanted to know a lot more as to like the training and the, the desire behind doing these particular challenges. So it's great to have you on the podcast. I think you're the perfect guest, and I can't wait to ask you a few questions about uh, your training and uh, the history behind how what you get got into these types of sports. Excellent. Ask away. This is the time. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Well, to start it all up, do you want to give a bit of an overview of to who you are? Yes, I can do that. Uh, my name is Ailey Price. I'm 27 from uh, Scotland and uh, I quite like running and cycling and being out in the mountains. Cold water swimming is okay too, um, but really I just like getting outside and making the most of the day. Um, and it's led to doing some quite cool events. Uh, recently, which has been a, a nice bonus, I think, on top of everything. What got you into? Uh, is it purely you just like being outside, and you know, it just led you to do some more running, some cycling, and it was just the fact you just wanted to be outside that sort of drove you towards actually, why don't I try and compete in uh, something that involved these these kind of sports? I think there were a few kind of things that, that led to me getting into hill running and and the events such as the Keltman and the Norseman. I used to be a modern pentathlete, um, which is a sport which involves running, swimming, shooting, horse riding and fencing. And I used to, first of all, compete for Great Britain and then Ireland later on. My mom's Irish, um, so I jumped ship at, at one point hmm. and... Um, I competed in world championship events, European events, um, the test event for the Olympic Games in Tokyo. And my whole entire focus whilst being at university and studying was that I wanted to go to the Olympics. And going to the Olympics was this amazing dream that I always had. Um, so I was always very focused and maybe had that typical elite athlete mindset. 
And then it got to 2019 and actually realized I had a bit of a challenging year. I struggled with some injuries. I didn't perform as well as I thought I should have or, or could have. And I decided that actually I don't want to go to the Olympics necessarily. It just wasn't that dream that it had always been. Uh, which was quite a scary realization when it's something that's so huge that has always driven you from day to day, and then you one day wake up and you hang on a minute. That I don't I don't necessarily want that anymore. So I uh, I managed to get get an internship to work for Adidas, and then I, I started applying for some jobs, not really knowing where anything would would take me, and then that funny thing, COVID happened. Hmm. Um, and my dad was actually training for Keltman at the time. And I started jo- joining him on some cycles and I was using my sister's bike and my parents and my, my sisters uh, are, are very outdoorsy and my sisters are, are very good hill runners. And I had always seen them doing this weird thing, running in the hills. I think, why would anyone want to do that? It's so painful. But then I realized that it was such a nice way to get outside that avoids this lap checking or consistent checking of how fast you're going or pace you're going, which I had been so used to prior to that. So I I started in kind of embracing this hill running and then thinking, oh, you can actually walk here and it still counts as hill running. This is this is brilliant. And I and I ended up buying a gravel bike because I was accompanying my dad quite regularly and my sister got a bit annoyed that I kept on using her bike and said, hang on, it's about time you bought your own bike. One thing just led to another. I carried on um, joining my dad on his training rides. The smaller hills turned into bigger hills. Things started to open up so we were able to travel more across Scotland to the Munros. I bought a van. Oh, perfect. I can sleep at the bottom of this mountain and then run up first thing in the morning and my whole lifestyle just changed. And then I tried to get into Keltman in in November 2021 uh, because I had been training with my dad and he's very passionate about Keltman because my sister, my oldest sister, Siobhan, she actually won Keltman in 2016. So it always been his dream, actually, after watching her do it to think, can I do that? And then I really just jumped on his dream. Didn't get into Countman in twenty in November twenty twenty one, but carried on just enjoying the enjoying the training process. Still joining Dad, and then they opened up some slots seven weeks before the event in twenty one, and luckily I was fit enough, and I I got one of those slots, and kind of since then one thing just led to another, and I would say a bit of a whirlwind past two or three years. Um, not really expected. I would be quite surprised now or definitely after Northman last year if you'd have told me that that would be the outcome two years ago. Wow, that's an incredible story. Is your dad still training for the Kelman? So dad did Kelman in 2021 and he did great. He had a fantastic day. And then last year he did the... He did the Kelman short this year. Last year he did Swiss Man which is another extreme triathlon based in Switzerland. And I supported him at that. I don't know how I could have forgotten about it because it was quite an experience because he actually did it having COVID. So I went out to support with my mum. And um, after after that, my mum said, Gavin, you are never doing a full distance Ironman triathlon again. That's it. You have to do the shorter ones. I think she was a bit worried about him um, doing this crazy event and having COVID and... 
we still cycle together and um, not so much run together, but uh, he's, he's still a big part of kind of bo- both my parents are. My whole family are a, a big part of this lifestyle that I guess I now have. Yeah, that's a really, really impressive family. <laughs> it's a big CV. It's really cool to hear your story, you know, leading from your dream to be at the Olympics. And then you kind of changed uh, direction. Because you hear a lot of stories about a lot of athletes sometimes struggle when they've, you know, they've spent so many years going towards a particular goal and then all of a sudden something might happen and they go a different direction. But it sounds like your direction just came with like a change of lifestyle that you just embraced with your family and that do you think that made that transition so much easier totally it made it so much easier because I never actually had the goal winning Keltman wasn't ever a goal winning Norseman wasn't ever a goal so it was just I was able to enjoy the day-to-day journey and building on one thing to the other and it was all new and getting better at cycling and seeing improvements. It was so fresh and exciting. To be honest, it it was really just taking things one step at a time that made me, I don't know, now I look back, I think that's if I had had that attitude when I was an elite athlete rather than always really focusing on that that mm. end goal, then maybe I could have reached more of a potential. So it's quite an interesting thing when you think about the mindset shift from one sport to the other that I had. Yeah, because I, I know, especially in the sort of social media pl- space, people want to know about the mindset of, you know, people that are high elite athletes because they want to impart some of that mindset onto themselves to actually improve but it sounds like you wish like oh i wish i actually had this type of mindset that i've got from post training for the olympics i might have done a little better or a little differently uh in modern pentathlon so it's an interesting interesting dynamic there it kind of goes against the grain yeah, absolutely. And I think that we often see elite athletes or people who are performing um, in the highest level at, at whatever it is that they do. We think that, wow, that must be 100% focus on that goal all the time. But really, I think that that mindset for me personally is detrimental and it's not healthy. And I think that for me and probably for a lot of people, a mindset where you're, say, 85, 90% focused on something, but there's still... 10, 15, maybe 20% for you to do something else. And it just, Mm. it means that you don't lose passion. You don't lose commitment. The discipline is easy because you're not selling yourself every single day and you don't always have to get the best ounce of yourself. We see this on social media, you know, oh, I'm so exhausted. I did this, I did that. And now I have nothing left. The tank is empty. My attitude is always, always leave a bit for the next day. You never know what's coming the next day. So I never really want to empty my tank, whether it be with work or um, with sport or anything. I think having a, a good balance where you're always leaving just a little bit, it helps longevity. For me, I find that definitely. Yeah really nice philosophy of life in a way it's weird how like you say about social media a lot of people try and glorify oh this was a good workout and all of a sudden someone's in a sweaty mess on the floor and you know that is that is the personification of of effort because that's what everyone should do because look at how much effort you put into you you didn't have any more ounces to give when really that might be good in a singular point but if you try and expand that to a whole training year or even like an olympic cycle it just adds up to the point where you just start to 
<laughs> it starts to almost break down. So, and that that comes physically, mentally, all, all sorts, doesn't it? Absolutely. And don't get me wrong. Sometimes you do have to empty the tank. Sometimes that yeah. that is required. But if you can't train or or do it the day after, then then what did it count? I think consistency is so important and it's so underrated. That's the thing that will always beat out these one-stoppable hard efforts. <laughs> so before your first Keltman, how much, say, how many hours we spend running, how many hours we spend on the bike, how many hours we spend up in water swimming, what, what did your training look like uh, leading up to your first one? So leading up to the first Keltman, the swimming pools were closed for a lot of that period. Oh, course, so I yeah. think the pools only opened like six weeks before. But I'm in a very fortunate position in that I did a lot of swimming uh, when I was doing pentathlon. So I, I had the swimming background. So it was never really something that I, I worried about or I did a huge amount. Maybe I did once or twice a week when the, when the pools opened. But the most important thing with the swimming was just getting into some cold water and doing some cold water dips. Never swimming for an hour in cold water. It would be like 15 or 20 minutes, but just doing it on a regular basis. And oh, yeah, every week, making making sure that I did that. And mm. when you think, oh, I only have to get in for 15, 20 minutes. Well, that's easy mentally. But if you if I had said, oh, I have to go in for an hour, then that would have been much harder. And probably I would have ended up doing less over the course of those six weeks. And that's kind of the mentality that I had with everything. I tried to make it manageable so it fits within my work, but also I can do it mentally. It's not too taxing. So cycling, I, I, I did a lot of work on the turbo trainer in the 2020-2021 winter. And it was the first time I'd ever done a winter of cycling because I had only started riding a bike in 2020. And to be honest, I would just pick... Uh, I had days where I tried to do some sessions on the bike and I would just pick a random Zwift session or um, see if I had finished work, if there was a group workout that kind of suited what I felt on that day. Oh, well, I'll just do that one. And then with with the running, I did a lot of hill running. Uh, so the majority of my running was 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 on hills and coming up, leading up to Keltman itself, more and more of it was just on the hills and, and long days out on, on feet. I think my longest uh, training weeks were maybe around 18 hours, but actually through the winter, I was probably averaging 12 to 15. So not really a huge amount. There were some very big weeks leading into Keltman, but the main thing was I was very consistent over a, a period of mm. time. So there was no weeks where I had minimal training. I was always able to put the weeks back to back. Mm. How did you find the transition to a lot more hill running compared to the running you were doing for your modern pentathlon training? So in, in modern pentathlon, it was track sessions and, and road running and mainly shorter, faster workouts. And I loved the hill running. It was great. You bring a sandwich, you have a nice day mm. on the hill with your friends um, you have a chat about life. If I'm on my own, I listen to a podcast, listen to Audible, stop, take some photos. It's great. When it's just about time on feet, it's brilliant. Bring a jam sandwich. Sounds like a holiday. Perfect. It is. <laughs> it was such a good way of viewing training because I guess if you didn't view it in such a way like that, 
it can be harder to do. But it's quite similar to the example you gave regarding the getting into the uh, cold water for like 20 minutes if it was an hour. Oh, that'd be much harder. Well, if you view your um, you know, your time on feet as something really fun because you can do this, that, and the other, all of a sudden you're spending more time on feet, more time just running, that makes you better. Like it's, yeah, I think it's really cool. Yeah, and I and I think that's the thing. It was what I want wanted to be doing on a Saturday morning mm. or when I wasn't working. I, I mean, I guess at that time we still had the kind of COVID hangover and this had been my my COVID thing. And so I was still adjusting to kind of what life looks like when you have a job um, and you're not doing elite sport. And, and so this became my release from life mm. and I still love it. I mean, still, if I'm not, if I'm, I don't have any major plans. In fact, most of my plans at the weekends do involve around being on the bike or, or running up hills. But it's always what I will choose to do, and think that that's one of the key things to doing these events. You really have to love the training. It's it's such a mm. commitment and dedication, and takes so much time that you really have to want to be doing it. If you if you're not enjoying going up a hill or or being out in in fresh air if that that's not something that you enjoy then i'm not sure you would enjoy the training or the event itself <laughs> no it's a good message and it's almost a message to say that if you're not viewing your training in the same way like what kind of training changes could you make whatever the sport what changes could you make to try and change your perception of that training because the more you enjoy it the easier it will be and the more time you'll spend practicing it, and then you'll end up consistently doing it more often, and then you'll end up getting better at it. Exactly, and I think most people have jobs and busy lives, and training is something that you fit inside or, or around that. So you, it's so important that you enjoy it and you find something that you can do that's not too mentally taxing to do. Don't get me wrong, there's still things that sometimes I have to do which I don't like, um, like doing some strength and conditioning, which I have been <laughs> saying I need to get started at for a long time. Next week is the week. I will do it. <laughs> I will be in the gym. The first time I've been in the gym for years. Um, so there are still things that I, I I don't necessarily enjoy, but I enjoy always enjoy after it. And sometimes you just have to suck it up and get on with it. It's not all um, as easy as sometimes maybe I can make it sound. <laughs> you know, you're saying how you try and fit training around work. Um, do you work like nine to five or do you have a bit of flexibility with work so you can actually fit your training in a different way into the week? Yeah, so I have a um, a nine to five job as such, but I'm quite lucky in that there's some flexible working from, mm. you can work from home some days a week. Um, and then if I don't have meetings, then I can go for a run or I, I can try and make it, make my work and uh, training fit together quite well sometimes they don't work well if you have to travel if you have a busy day whatnot sometimes something has to take a priority and and that's just the way it is but I really try not to let those situations beat myself up or I don't beat myself up when that happens I just get on with it and then you reset and the next day you go again sometimes I think it's easy to spiral when you maybe have one or two bad days when you have to have different priorities or something happens and it comes out of left field and you're a bit stressed and whatnot and I think it's important to try and put that in a box and be able to to wake up the next morning, reset, if you're lucky enough to have dealt with that situation, whatever it was, um, and, and start again. 
and and it's back to that consistency thing, right? Mm. It's just all about being consistent and and finding a routine and a lifestyle that works for you. Yeah, I can really sympathize with that because I think I've been guilty in the past of say a training day or a few days in a, in a week didn't quite go to plan then all of a sudden I'm beating myself up about it cuz thinking oh you need to be consistent you've written written it down in a certain way you've you've structured the week in a certain way try and follow it uh, and if it doesn't go to plan because of outside interference then you sort of beat yourself up about it but again it's that perception of training isn't it like uh, my perception is all of a sudden something's going wrong because I'm out of control and I need to kind of flip that and say oh it doesn't really matter try this try that and then all of a sudden you're back enjoying it rather than resenting it. Yeah, exactly. And then sometimes you look, can look back at the end of the week and say Monday, Tuesday, half of Wednesday was a bit of write-off, but you were able to put in great sessions on Thursday, Friday and something big at the weekend. Mm. And you're like, actually, in the end, I managed to pull together something that I didn't think I maybe would have or um, might have jeopardized if I had just let the situation spiral. I'm just going to interrupt here to quickly thank our sponsors. Hydrate by Human24. Hydrate is a fast and effective formula to improve hydration by replacing fluid and body salts after an intense training session or after a long night's sleep. Each sachet contains an optimal ratio of sodium, potassium, and magnesium to improve cellular hydration. I highly recommend the citrus flavor, which I always take immediately upon waking. It really sets my day up perfectly. Head to human24.com, that's hmn24.com where you can get a month's supply of 30 sachets and use the code FILL10 at checkout for 10% off. Now, let's get back into the conversation. For anyone that doesn't know about the Keltman, could you describe it? So it's obviously uh, an extreme iron distance triathlon, but uh, what makes it extreme? Oh, everything. (laughs) So the Keltman is Ironman distance triathlon it has a 3.4 kilometer swim in the sea in the west coast of Scotland. Uh, can be very choppy waters, usually lots of jellyfish and seaweed. Then you have a 200 kilometer bike ride, which is longer than the, the standard Ironman distance bike ride, which has about 2,000 meters of elevation. But the thing that makes the bike ride very challenging is huge, usually extreme weather conditions and normally very windy. Although if anybody did the Keltman this year, I don't know what happened, but Scotland almost (laughs) almost, uh, became Spain for a few days. But um, can usually have very challenging um, headwinds, sidewinds, crosswinds. And then the run, which I think is probably the most memorable or distinctive thing about the Keltman Triathlon. It's a marathon, 42 kilometers. I think that's how long a marathon is with the first half on, on, on what is trail and some of it quite rough trail. And then the second half goes over two Munros and a mountain called Bene on the west coast of Scotland. And down some incredibly technical terrain, uh, really rocky, really challenging conditions. Uh, the last uh, 8K is on road, uh, which huh. is probably the easiest part <laughs> of the whole uh, of the whole triathlon. However, try running 8K on road after doing mm. everything else before it, and it also feels extremely extreme. <laughs> it's mainly, I would say, the weather 
but then of, of, of course it, it's also the scenery the um, the trails the 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 route everything about it is pretty extreme and pretty crazy <laughs> it sounds pretty extreme what did you find hardest weather or terrain or what was the hardest bit so the the first year I did it in 2021 I found the bike the hardest um I had I was still relatively new from cycling. I'd never done a cycle that long before. Um, I kept on being sick for some reason. I don't know. I had got the nutrition all wrong. Um, and and I, I thought, oh my goodness, this this bike ride is never ending and I'm never going to get, I'm never getting on a bike ever after this. <laughs> and then um, in 2022, there was very, very challenging weather conditions. And I'm quite lucky in that I, I guess, thrive in those hard conditions, but it's still very hard. Um, I'm just maybe more used to it than than a lot of mm. other people, especially if they come from abroad. And and the run is obviously very, very challenging as well. But if you do the training right, then 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 so far for me it's been so good. But but who knows? I'm hoping to do it again uh next year. So I, I'm sure a shitter of a run is probably probably what I deserve at some point um every time you do it I, I think it's different and you have a different experience and everybody has different experiences that doesn't mm. I must make it much more exciting because yes you do everything you can to try and prepare as much as possible for the event but if there's that element of surprise that you know is coming and you kind of have to add that to your training don't you because you need to be able to be durable enough to react to whatever might happen because you know certain changes in weather or anything like that some people are going nope that's it for me i'm you know that's it i'm gone really good fit iron man but but the weather is just too much whereas if you are adaptable you you know that's a really good skill or trainable skill which i guess if you're regularly training in the, in the hills do you find that nicely prepares you for any kind of surprises that might happen on those types of events yeah and i think it really relates to that mentality as well because you just can't prepare 100 percent for it because you don't know what the weather conditions will be like so if you're preparing 80 90 percent well you're pretty much there you're, you're you're doing as much as you can but you know that there's an element to the unknown. And I think some of the things that, that I do are maybe seem a bit odd for, you know, getting getting into the cold water. Um, some of the places that I went into cold water with, with my dad, we were in uh, near off Stonehaven, going down some, um, some path that you just wouldn't go to at the bottom of this cove and you're getting in with the seals for 10 or 15 minutes and you think, ah, there we go. That's fine. That's the training for today. And that's it. It's kind of what I like about it is you can be quite um, experimental with training. You can be imaginative and innovative and do these different kind of adventures, I guess. And it still counts as training because it's something new, it's something different, and it's preparing you physically, but also mentally to be able to adapt with something, something different. I do think it is really important to always get out there when the weather is bad, not always, but to have that ability to get on your bike when it's pissing down with rain and you know you're going to get cold and wet. Not every weekend, but sometimes. Um, and then the same with running, to get out there in challenging conditions. Always, of course, staying safe if you're you're going going up hills. 
but it's definitely something that will give you an edge, uh, a mental advantage on on the day. Uh, it's a cool way of seeing, you know, really adverse weather conditions or any type of conditions and just flip it on its head and say, actually, this is slightly a different adventure. And all of a sudden, training becomes an adventure and then all the, the hard stuff of that training just becomes part of that adventure. Again, you perceive the training completely different and that must really help. Absolutely. And I think that's the thing for me. I don't class myself as kind of having an elite mindset or or, or anything like that. And I don't really follow a, a very structured training regime because for me, it's all about enjoying it. It's all about the adventure. It's all about having fun. It's all about doing something different. And yeah, maybe I'd be able to get, I doubt it, but some people would say, oh, you could probably get five or 10% more out of you if you if you were a bit more focused or, or or a bit more structured but then I'd lose that aspect that makes it so great and I don't want to do that um so for me it's that balance no it's a really interesting way of thinking about it because if you did sort of make changes to make things more focused okay you increase that side but then you increase decrease the enjoyment side and the like the net gain of improvement from you might actually be lower so it's uh, you know it shows how yeah. coaching coaching is an art. It isn't all about just being overly structured with science. It's a element of that, and also the element of coaching and making it appropriate for the for the athlete. I mean, in your case, is you, you know you have this way of structuring training that it's fun for you and it works. Yeah, and I wouldn't like to be my coach. <laughs> I, uh, I I didn't have a coach when I first started Countman and I, I didn't have a coach for, for Norseman either. But I have decided this year that I'm going to start working with someone, which which will be fun and, and something new. Um, and good luck to him. <laughs> He'll what, need it. <laughs> why, why is that? Why have you decided uh, for a coach this time? Um, because I, I felt that when I started it, everything was new and everything was fresh. But now coming, coming so I, I've just spent the, the past year working in Norway and I've had a bit of time out of competing and I've still been cycling and running, but but not doing doing so much structure. I didn't do Kelman, I didn't do Norseman this year. Um, and now I've decided I'd like to, to, to get back to it. But I'm don't want to have the mindset that I used to have when I was doing um, elite sport and I don't want to have this uh, mindset where it's all about comparing myself to how I used to be um, I still need to keep it fresh and I think having someone who is also pretty adventurous um, himself he just did uh, a really amazing gravel race uh, called Badlands in Spain where you ride a gravel bike for like three days I, straight I, um, no, I think I've heard of that yeah <laughs> Uh, so, so, so having somebody like that in my corner that I can just bounce ideas off and keep things fresh, I, I think is really going to be helpful this year instead of maybe getting in a situation where I'm, I'm always looking back at, oh, what was I doing before? What was I doing before? I still want it to be fresh. I still want it to be new. And, you know, I, I don't know how it will be next year, getting, getting back to whatever level I can get back to. Hopefully I'll be able to get back to some similar shape, but but who knows? Um, it's not guaranteed. So I think it, it, it'll be just great to have somebody there to <laughs> tell me I'm doing well after after a bad week, something like that. <laughs> Hype person. <laughs> yeah. What's the aim for this next Keltman? Because obviously you've won it twice. Is it to get the trifecta or is there aspects of uh, the performance that you want to improve? So I think that 
It's a really interesting question. And it's actually a question that I've been asking myself a lot recently as well. You know, what is my motivation? What do I want to achieve from this? And what I've realized that it's actually almost got nothing to do with the race itself. It's about proving to myself that I can get back to the same level. It doesn't necessarily have to be the same peak shape, but get back to the same region of of where I was before and enjoy the journey, enjoy the training. I love spring when you're you've done a hard winter of training and then the, the days are getting longer and you can get out to the mountains and you're fit and and you just carry that fitness through the summer and I miss that kind of winter grind and and that feeling that you are just pushing yourself just that little bit more on a, on a day-to-day basis and you're getting the most out of yourself I really miss that this year so so it's about that and for me Countman is a perfect goal because all that kind of training that I want to be doing just totally aligns with with doing Countman. So it's not actually the goal for me is it's not the race. That's kind of a byproduct of mm. the journey towards the race. Mm. No, that's a really cool way of looking at everything. Really good, a good approach to life and philosophy of training. That's was, was really cool to see. Say if I wanted to do the Keltman. Uh, complete average triathlete. What would you recommend I do, whether it's from a training point of view or how do I qualify for the Kelman? So the qualification is uh, probably the hardest The hardest part. You you have to put your name in a ballot and the ballot is open for 10 days. Uh, you put your name in the ballot and if your name gets pulled out, then you've got a slot and you can do the race. Um, it's quite competitive to get in. I think there are quite a few people that, that have been trying for some years and haven't got, got in. So I think that in itself gives it just an extra edge. It's almost like this exclusive group, you know, what members you, club. It's, yeah, yeah. Or or it's like the golden ticket that you you don't mm. know if you want to receive or don't want to receive. Um and then if you got in, consistency. Find something that fits your lifestyle that you can do on a day-to-day basis. Don't be overambitious. Keep it at a base level. Have a base level that you can do. And if there's some weeks where you can maybe do a little bit more, then that's brilliant. But have that base level that you can do week in, week out. And enjoy it. Enjoy Mm. the freedom of being able to do different type of training than you would normally get to do if you're doing a a standard sanitized Ironman. (laughs) Are there any qualification metrics you have to hit to be able to apply for the Keltman? Or is it anyone can... Oh, brilliant. Anybody can enter. (laughs) Excellent. So we'll be seeing your name in the the ballot then uh, in in a few weeks' time. Well, I'll have to check the finances, but... uh, Maybe I have to check my fitness as well. I might be too far, too far behind at the moment. No, you can never be too far behind. I'm so far behind as well. But we got eight months. It's perfect. <laughs> eight months, brilliant. Following on for the Keltman, what's the Norseman? The Norseman is another extreme distance Ironman triathlon. It is kind of the brother or sister event of the Keltman, uh, and the Swissman is another one of those, which. Is what my dad did last year. And so the Norseman is 4K or it, it, around about 4K, 3.94K swim in a fjord where you jump off a ferry 
at the start. It's got a very iconic start. Um, That's class. We like to see that the fjord is freezing cold. Well, actually, it's not that cold. Or when I did it, it wasn't that cold. I actually got okay. too hot during the swim. Um, so wow. maybe they glorify that a little bit, but don't tell anybody I said that. <laughs> <laughs> um, then, then the bike ride, and I think the bike ride makes Norseman so incredibly special. It's absolutely incredible. It's 180 kilometers with 3,000 meters of elevation. And if you're from the UK or Scotland, then you will appreciate the road surface. Oh my Lord, it's mm. incredible. It's so smooth. The tarmac is amazing and the, the views are just absolutely incredible. Um, and then the run, um, which if I'm honest, is compared to Keltman is... Um, yeah, maybe on the on the on the dull side. Oh, I didn't say that. <laughs> the the first twenty five k of the of the Norseman run are uh, on flat road, and then you climb eighteen hundred meters in the remaining whatever that would be seventeen kilometers, um, where you where you climb up a iconic climb called Zombie Zombie Hill, which is a switchback road that takes you up to where where Winter Ski Resort is. And then it's only the last five kilometers which are off-road. Um, and it takes you up to the top of Mount Gaustoppen, which is the largest uh, mountain in southern Norway. And the view from the top there is absolutely incredible, mind-blowing. Um, it's quite a different event, event from the Keltman. But it's also just, I think what makes these uh, events so exciting is actually the people and the buzz around them. Everybody is so excited to be there and to have, one, the opportunity to, to do it. They're, they're hard events to get into. Lots of people want to do them. But then have made the start line. You've done the training. You've done all the hard work. You're there. And it's this kind of anticipation and excitement that I think just makes these events so incredibly special. I guess it takes a certain type of person to, you know, sign up for, a, you know, an extreme triathlon. So once all the people are together, they, you know, it must have a real buzz. And the fact that you're doing something which, you know, is really quite difficult and people are achieving it, the buzz that comes from that and the community that comes from that must be just absolutely amazing friends with fergus crawley who's who's done the keltman who i've seen the video that he produced and there were like it was like fire if there was a big like performance before they even started it would just look absolutely incredible uh, so i can imagine that the, the community with that you know the people watching and the athletes just must be really quite something special yeah, and, and Fergus Crawley's video is definitely a, a great video if anybody wants to check out the Keltman and, and see what it's like. Um, some of the footage that he got, it really just um, mm. it showcases what the event is like and what the atmosphere is like. Mm, definitely. Did you prepare differently for the Norseman in comparison to the Keltman or... So I had decided to um, enter the Keltman. So I knew that I was going to be doing Norseman 2022 last year. But what I didn't want was this kind of the whole year is focused around Norseman. It's in August. It's a bit later in the summer. So I decided, oh, well, I'll just enter Keltman again. And, and I'll just make Keltman my focus. And I'll focus on Keltman. And then I'll, and then I'll deal with Norseman when it comes around. So really, I only had four to six weeks where I thought about Norseman after Keltman was done. And I had maybe two weeks 
recovery. Um, and, and at that point, I'd done barely any flat running. And that was probably the one thing that I was concerned about that first part of, of, of the run. So I think I did like one half marathon, uh, flat half marathon on like a Tuesday after work, three weeks before. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> There we go. That's the flat running done. I, I can do it. Hopefully it will be fine. So there was a little bit of, um, well, there was quite a lot of unknown with, with the Norseman. But one of the, the, the biggest unknowns would be how I would cope with that flat running, just considering I hadn't trained for it. And and to be honest, I wouldn't have wanted to train for it because it's, it's not the type of running that I enjoy. And, I, and as mm. I've said before, I think for me, it's all about doing something that's enjoyable and and there's also some injury risks as well when you're kind of trying to go fast on hard ground. Um, so, so it was kind of a decision that I made on the outset that that I wasn't necessarily going to focus on that. And in the end, it was it was fine, really. So, yeah. um, all worked. So, yeah. <laughs> Do you deal with cold very well? Or I know you talked about you go to a particular parts of Scotland with your dad, and you're you're going into freezing cold water with the seals. Um, is that your cold training? Uh, and do you find that that type of training really helps you with these events? So I'm quite lucky in that I do probably deal with the cold quite well compared to other people. I'm a strong, stronger build than, than maybe what most would expect. I, I sometimes get people saying, oh, really you you've done the Norseman um so I think Luke can be deceiving a little bit and sometimes it actually helps to have a little bit more weight on you because it gives you that strength and and that extra warmth that you actually need and then it comes back to just getting outside when the weather is rubbish um and and particularly yeah in winter we can have hard weather but I never run on a treadmill inside, no, no matter what the weather. I have a have a head torch. I love getting outside and in the woods, the forest, and 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 it's it's kind of that mindset again. It's oh, you've got maybe a training session to do, but it's a bit um, slushy outside, or it's a bit rainy, or for some reason you can't do that training session. Well, for me, I would always say it's still better to get outside and do something rather than to try and maybe adapt and do something inside on a treadmill, and maybe for a different event. That that would not be the best the best thing to do, but but for the likes of Keltman and Norseman, where you, you're almost training for that unknown as well, I think mm. it is quite a, a good attitude to have. And then and then getting out on the bike in the winter, which can be pretty grim, and it can be cold. Uh, cold feet are probably the worst. Uh, but at, just adding a cafe stop, you know, have have coffee <laughs> and cake. There's there's always that, you know, make it enjoyable for yourself. That's a great recommendation. So, struggle with the cold, cake. Put cake halfway <laughs> through your your bike. Put coffee in there. Sorted. Did you exactly. have cake and coffee in the event? Like you know, the, the halfway point. I didn't, but my uh, my uh, a guy Robin Darney, who came second the past two years, he's a very good friend of mine, and he has uh, I think it's chocolate brownie made by Helen, who's local to Loch Harren, which is very close to, to Shield Egg and where Keltman is. So he, yeah, he recommends brownie. I'm not sure. I don't, uh, chocolate for me, mid, mid things isn't necessarily so good, but, but maybe one that I should consider. <laughs> mm. I could see myself doing well with the brownie halfway through that. And probably <laughs> at the beginning as well. Just keep keep the brownies coming for me. I might need them. That's how I enjoyed the training, just the, just the food. Well, there you go. <laughs> How do you qualify for the Norseman? Is it very similar to the Keltman where you've got to put your name in a ballot? 
So there's there's two ways. Um, you can put your name in the ballot, but you can also qualify if you are top two at Countman or any other X-Try event. So X-Try is a series, a bit like Ironman, where the uh, Countman and Norseman are, are part of these events. And I should also say that they have a new system um, called X-Points, where if you do a certain number of races, you can gather points, and then the points allow you to bypass the ballot. So for example, you would be able to get into Norseman rather than um, having to put your name in the ballot. So for people who have been putting their names in the ballot for Norseman for 10 years time, it, it's a great way um, of one, doing other incredible races in really amazing places, uh, but also bypassing the ballot and, and getting a spot in the race. Are you thinking of doing any of the other extra events? Anything on the bucket list? So I, I went to Montenegro last year to do one of the, the, the solo point five, so the kind of the half distance events that they have and I would really recommend it. It was uh it was it was amazing. I, I've never been to Montenegro before, I didn't know what to expect. The scenery was amazing, the people were amazing and and one of my friends is, is wants to do the, the full the full Black Lake triathlon, which is the Montenegro event next year. So I've agreed to support uh, her f for that um, and then the other one which I really like the look at uh, well there's two actually there's one in Slovakia um, called Janostik which looks amazing and has a very technical run but there's also one in Lavigno I think that's how you say it in Italy w which looks amazing but for me now, it's just about finding the rhythm, finding the routine, building on it day by day by day, um, and let's see, let's see, let's see how we go next year and and kind of evaluate then. Yeah, definitely. Well, we'll we'll put Xtry and uh, any top of promotional material for them in our show notes. So anyone that's interested, and I'm sure many people listening will be after hearing this, uh, definitely find that and click it and check out as many of these events uh, as possible. To finish off, these are obviously all extreme events, but if you had to speak to someone for the first time and convince them to do one, what would you say to them? Like, what would you do to convince someone to do an extreme triathlon? I think I'd start with convincing them to uh, get outside and do some hill running or hill walking or getting on a bike. I think that uh, hill running and hill walking and just being outside, having the fresh air against your skin and just so good for the mind, for the body. We spend so much time looking at screens, working with mm. laptops and, and being outside and giving yourself that time to reset every day is so important and, and just makes you feel so much better. And then I love running and, and hill walking, but cycling is even better in some ways because you can explore even more. It's just a faster version of running. You get to <laughs> see so much more and then you can add in coffee and cake. I mean, I think my <laughs> the way I would convince someone would really be to convincing them to, to embrace the lifestyle because that's what it is. To do these events, it's about embracing that kind of lifestyle um, and otherwise you're just not going to enjoy it. Um, and, and, and coffee and cake and lots of food yeah, if you're doing lots cool. of exercise and you can have lots of nice food as well so that's always a, a good way of convincing people it's definitely a good way of convincing me <laughs> yeah definitely food and adventure that's the best food way and to adventure. Think. what more could you want exactly <laughs> food and adventure get on a t-shirt <laughs> 
Ada, that was that was perfect. That was amazing. Um, if anyone wants to follow you on social media, or if they have any questions, uh, where can they uh, find your find your stuff? Yeah, I have uh, on Instagram. I'm Venture with EP. That's my Instagram, and you can yeah send me a message. I'm I'm also on Strava. I am private, but it's really only so people from work don't follow me and complain <laughs> when I run for more more than an hour or do something longer at lunch. So you can also follow me on Strava um, uh, uh, as well, and and I share most things on there i'm not secretive about what i do or anything like that and if you do have any questions then you can always send me a message on instagram yeah (laughs) that's brilliant well i'll be keeping a lookout on your social media to see how the training is going leading up to next keltman (laughs) (laughs) ah you'll be brilliant well thank you so much that was brilliant thanks very much for having me next week i will be speaking to high rocks athlete and the host of the rocks life podcast greg williams We will discuss Greg's training for high rocks, what mindset and physical quality separate the elite races compared to the rest, and the future and professionalism of high rocks. Make sure you tune in. Before we wrap up, I want to give a shout out and my thanks to my production partner, Cult Media. If you are thinking of launching a podcast or want to grow your audience, head to www.cult.media, that's cult with a K, to get started today.